Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Dude, that snap was like a legit, that sounded like a clap. Did it? Yeah, that was It was, was actually, powerful. on my side, it was a pretty weak snap, actually. Really? It sounded okay. good. Maybe, maybe it was because it was like really close to the mic That's probably it. Yeah. It was like one of those, like, I, like I, my finger placement wasn't great, you know, so <laughs> it didn't, didn't turn out super well. Gotta watch that finger placement. Yeah. It's kind of <clears> like <throat> when you, when you shake someone's hand and you don't get like the right grip. And you like, and you like, basically end up like just getting like their fingers and your fingers, and it's like yeah. this really weak and super awkward thing. Um, those are. But rough. you can't. But you can't change your hand because you don't want to like. Yeah. You don't want to like slide your hand into their hand to like try to fix it either. That would be yeah. super weird. You can't. You can't readjust. It's just like you have to get the right placement perfect, or else it's it, it just doesn't work out. You know, like you can't yeah. keep going further. So. Um, it's a challenge, you know, getting the handshake to go right, getting a snap to go right. Um, but I think it's a challenge that's worth it, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Gotta, gotta, gotta get it correct. Yeah. It's it's so, like, stressful, though. It's I mean, a lot of times it's your first impression, right? Mm-hmm. Like, say you're meeting, like, your, your future father-in-law for the first time or something, and, you know, you're like... Um, you, you mess up that handshake. He's going to judge you on that for the rest of your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. 40 years down the road. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> no wonder you failed at your career, son. You couldn't <laughs> yeah. even, you couldn't even shake my hand the right way the first time. <laughs> oh man. And relating that to design, Patrick, it's the same thing. That's, that's why. That's why a good UI is so important. It's just uh-huh. like getting a, a, a feeble, um, horrible handshake. If you look at someone's UI and it doesn't you know, match up with your expectations, um, it just it gives you the wrong impression, you know? It does. So. It literally is the first impression that most, uh, most customers have with your products. Yeah. Now, now they could, I mean, they've seen the website, they've talked to a sales rep, They've, you know, maybe done some stuff. They maybe did the free, but the first time they actually go to use your thing, that's the first thing they do, right? Yeah. They have the handshake, the old, oh, that, why do they use purple? Or like, <laughs> oh, this looks horrible. Yeah. These, this, the drop shadow on this button is not right. It's just something yeah. wrong about it. I'm not going to trust this application. I'm not going to put in my credit card number, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> this product looks so old. <laughs> And it's even worse when you like you go to the, the you know their their marketing site like the landing page before you, you get the product or anything and it looks great because the marketing <laughs> team made it like spruced it up and then when you like get in there for real and it looks totally different <laughs> it looks like five years older you know such a letdown <laughs> it's like that's what marketing teams do though right like marketing teams hype everything up so much that no matter what happens next it's always a letdown. <laughs> Yeah, I think. like when you're a kid, like when you're a kid and you're looking through those toy catalogs, you know, the things yes. you want when you're when you you know for oh, Christmas man. you're gonna ask for Christmas, and you see that toy, you see that like dump truck, the the buddy, the cool, they got this like photo of a kid, and he's like got a giant smile on his face, and he's like moving the dump truck through the dirt, and you're like <laughs> that's what I want, that's exactly what I want, and then you get it on Christmas and it's like tiny, and it's like cheap yep. plastic, yep, and you take it out in the dirt and the wheels won't even turn right, like. <laughs> That's why marketing is so horrible. Marketing. 
I don't. They do, us, I, they do everybody a disservice, don't they? I don't know how those people <laughs> sleep at night, Patrick. I don't. I don't, I, man. They've ruined so many things in this world. No, I mean I've had that exact experience. You know, when you're when you're talking about that, it reminds me of this this robot, this this little robot I wanted for Christmas. <laughs> And I had seen some commercials. I had seen this robot in the toy store and I thought it could do like everything. Like I thought it could help me with my paper route and I was super excited. And, you know, I I told my parents to get it. I knew where they hid my Christmas toys. So I was like (laughs) checking it out, like, you know, during December, I knew all about that. I was just like, I can't wait to open you. And it, it disappointed me, Patrick, (laughs) to say the least. It did not um, do my paper out for me at all. Um, it basically made some noises and rolled forward and then fell over. That <laughs> was the extent yeah. of what it could do. Um, so that, that ruined my life. And, um, I think it, you know, had a, gave me a big distrust for, for marketing for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bunch <laughs> of scumbags. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but what would we do without marketing other than live a better existence? Like would we, we wouldn't be able to sell our products for sure because they all look like crap. Yes. Yeah. So we'd have to be better. At, we'd have to be better at that. But other than that, I think we'd be we we could we could make our own choices a lot better because we wouldn't be full of lies and manipulation, you know, in our brains. Yeah, oh, maybe. It'd be a lot easier. It's also very possible <laughs> that we wouldn't know about what's going on in the world. We wouldn't know like what to buy. Because we wouldn't have a million ads telling us the things we should buy, you yeah. know. So I wouldn't know about all the great products out there, because there'd be nobody telling me about them. I just have to be like mm-hmm. walking down the street and see this big building that said Facebook. Oh, there's a there's a uh, product I should probably <laughs> buy or I should download or use because I saw it on the street, right? <laughs> yeah. Not to um, get too political, Andy, but I do have a question for you. Oh. Do we lose our free will to big government or do we lose our free will to marketing agencies? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, to get more conspiracy theory um, on you, Patrick, which is the way this world works. The real way it works, Patrick, is the government uses marketing to control mm-hmm. us and takes away oh. our free agency, our free and then will. Tells, and then tells us that it's Bill Gates' fault. <laughs> And then we're like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> have you ever seen the TV show Adam Ruins Everything? I have. I've seen some of that, yeah. He even has a podcast that I've listened to a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he, and, and for, for our listeners here, um, every show talks about how some marketing knucklehead somewhere wanted to make more money and destroyed something in life that's like that's like 100 percent what that show is <laughs> like like we could have had a cool like you know public transportation system in the united states and lived completely different <laughs> but instead a car manufacturer sold us a bunch of cars and now we live in the suburbs yeah <laughs> i did see that one actually and he's and he's not wrong really like <laughs> some things are a little bit of a stretch but the football one broke my heart. Did you ever watch the football one? No, Are I didn't. Ruins football. Oh. oh man, I would be all for that. that I'm, I'm great for ruining football. <laughs> you hate football, huh? Yes. I, I don't hate it. I just don't find it that exciting. You know. <laughs> um. But yeah. 
All right. Well, is our is our topic for the day why marketing sucks, or is it something else? Um, it's something else, actually, Patrick. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and today today's topic is actually something that I'm bringing. I want to ask you Ooh. a question, Patrick. I'm popping this on you. You don't know this is happening. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. So I saw I saw a question that somebody had um, posted on Twitter, and I thought it was awesome. Um, so um, Allison Grace, um, if you follow her on Twitter, um, she's really good. And she posted, <laughs> <laughs> she posted, what's a UX hill you regularly die on? What's a UX hill you regularly die on? This is a good question. Yeah. Um, should I, should I get back on Twitter, Andy? Um, cause, cause if I've I could been... follow people like Allison Grace, I would get back on Twitter, right? Yeah. You know what? You know what you can do? You know, what's really great about, about some social medias, not all of them, but some of them is you can actually tailor the stuff that you're seeing based <laughs> on who you're following, Patrick, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I personally have been not getting on Twitter a lot lately because apparently all the people I follow are super into politics mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk or listen or read about politics right now or ever, yeah. honestly. Um, so when people get into that more, you know, they all have different sides and that's fine. And I appreciate that people have those sides and those beliefs and that's great. And they have the right to post what they want to post, but I don't want to see that. But the great thing about social media, Patrick, is you can unfollow people or follow people that talk about the things you want to talk about. Yeah. Or I could just get on and follow Allison Grace. Exactly. You can just follow one person. Yeah. And Andy. And Andy. I'm going to follow Andy Page and Allison Grace. <laughs> and then I'll be like, sweet. I don't but, have to worry about people chiming in on everything, right? But yeah, it was, especially from Andy's account, because I don't think you, you could see a tweet from Andy since like 2015. <laughs> So it'll be like a, a nice like desert yeah. oasis out there. Like you won't see much. I'll get in every day and be like, nope, Andy didn't post anything yet. <laughs> it's a place you what? can escape to to just like feel peace and silence, you know, just your happy place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little island oasis. <laughs> um, UX Hill, UX Hill that you would die on? Yeah. Uh, this one's tricky. It's hard. It's hard to think of. Um, so I I will um, actually, I'll start. I'll give you one that I like okay, to die yeah, on yeah. Um, while you kind of think of yours because it's not easy to, you know, pop this on you. So um, one hill that I regularly like to die on is when you are considering an interface, um, you're working with developers, you're working with um, other people and you're getting feedback from them and they're saying that you're basically considering an experience that you need to tailor that you need to enhance. And they say, why don't we just put a tooltip? Um, there might be a problem where the user doesn't understand something, um, with this experience. And what they're essentially proposing is we just put the little eye icon that somebody has to hover over with their mouse or click on, tap on with their finger to get like this paragraph of, of explanation of what they're looking at or the next action they have to do. Um, and that's, that's the, an interface that I hate so much. Like when we rely on something like that, let's, let's just put a tooltip up and it'll explain everything. It'll solve all of our problems. <laughs> that's, that's like the worst sort of interface. And it's like very much a band aid um, to fix a problem 
that, you know, isn't really going to do much. I, I do think Band-Aids do things in real life, Patrick, <laughs> but that that sort of Band-Aid is not a good one, you know? Yeah, but a Band-Aid is something you put on until you get to the doctor or a little tiny scratch, right? Yes. It's not something you put on and leave <laughs> yes. on permanently or build things around, Yes. right? Like build upon. Yeah, that does so, not make for a very sturdy um, or um, an intuitive experience. If you're just clicking on tooltips to understand what's going on, you have to read paragraphs of information. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I, I will always fight about. Like, that's not an experience that's going to work for our users. Like, yeah, they can do it. It's very possible and maybe something they're used to because they work with horrible experiences. But that's not <laughs> something that we should do <laughs> because um, if you have to explain a design too much, then it's really not a good design right yeah um so that is a hill that is a hill that i am totally cool with dying on (laughs) i think that uh, occasionally there is a time and a place where you can have a tooltip um it might make sense for some reason um, but typically i don't think it's something you should rely on at all Mm -hmm. so well it's horrible for accessibility and for all kinds of other things yes so yeah Terrible, terrible thing. I, I would agree with you. I, I think I would maybe not. I'd maybe get beat up on that hill over that, but I don't know if I would if I would die. Maybe <laughs> I might give in every once in a while and be like, yeah, OK, let's yeah, do that. Yeah. But I, but I don't know if I would now. Now, here's the one I think I would definitely die for. And I think you probably you've heard me talk about this before. But the uh, the are you sure dialogue box? Yes. I, if if I if in 10 15 years when I leave canopy if the product is is rid of all of that filth and garbage <laughs> then I will have done my job if there's still stuff if there's still friggin are you sure dialogues in our application um, then I have failed I have failed as a as as a UX designer that's true that's very true. And I think that's a good le- legacy to leave behind, Patrick. Like you'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> in 15 years from now, um, <laughs> when you leave Canopy and, you know, the next year they'll be like, uh, we never have that sort of thing. We never have those those tooltips because Patrick. Um, yeah. And it, it will be your legacy. I think it'll be a great thing to leave behind for the world and for it'll the be, users yeah, of a polite, a, a polite, a, a polite application. That's what I want. I want a polite application. Yes. I want that's the I think that's really fundamentally the UX the UX hill I will die on is is making sure that you're design and it's hard, but making sure that you're designing an application that is a good, polite coworker to the users that use it. Yeah. And that that's deeper than just the are you sure. That the are you sure is just like the it's it's the pinnacle of that. It's like the worst the worst thing and it's so ubiquitous. And it just logically, it makes sense, but it just makes no sense. Like I did it today. I clicked on some delete thing that I didn't even read again. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I deleted, but I did it, you know? Yeah. And like, just, just understanding, like if, if all UX designers could be, could be more adamant about that. Like, I think, I think we would, I think we would change a lot of applications. Yes. Because. Because being, you know, designing a system where you can undo your mistakes versus have a system that that questions your every move is such a different, it makes such an impact, you know. Plus, there's the stuff, too, that goes along with that, like, 
you know, Asana's dumb rainbow task, you know, happy person. Like all the crap that makes people annoyed with an application just need to go away. Like, like thinking, like treat your application as a coworker to your customer because you wouldn't do that. You know, every time, every time you, every time you completed a task, do you want all your coworkers standing around you like you're at Texas Roadhouse clapping at your birthday? No, you don't want that. I don't know if that's true, Patrick. Um, I don't know if you've ever been a, on a sales floor before um, or working near a sales floor when they got like yeah. those gongs, when they make a big sale, they all get up and they make a huge noise or something or um, an alarm goes off because somebody made a sale. <laughs> that's yeah. that's something now, I've seen. Now, if you're maybe if you're designing, you know, Salesforce or you're designing an application for that kind of customer, then then that's what they want. The point being like, hey, like you should design for your customer as a as it's a as it's a nice polite coworker. It's yeah. an assistant to the customer. Yeah. Right? It's an assistant to your user. It's not it's not it's not the snarky like, are you sure you want to do that, you idiot? Did you did you hit that this, did you hit that giant red delete button by accident cuz we made it giant and red? <laughs> like it's insulting. It's insulting to like we do this poor design thing where we put icons next to each other and one of them deletes the entire application and then we're like and then we're like well how do we fix it well you redesign it that's how you fix it no how to fix it how to fix it patrick is you put the little eye icon next to it it's just in a tool tip (laughs) if you delete this whole thing then (laughs) you're not getting it back yeah that's how you fix are you sure (laughs) and they ignore and and they ignore the eye icon and then we're like wait a second people are ignoring the eye icon because it's (laughs) stupid and not accessible and it's horrible. What if when they click the giant red delete button, we put up a <laughs> toast that says, hey, are you sure you want to do this? That'll work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're both talking about the same thing. I think we'd both die on a hill for for a, a more polite, more congenial interfaces. Yeah. You know, because there's still so many legacy interfaces like like windows and apple do this all the time they have garbage interfaces that do this kind of stuff right in their os's and then this thing gets pushed into the web and it becomes ubiquitous and i think it just makes our apps it makes the apps you know annoying to use which is it's our job to make the app not annoying to use you know so exactly that's very better at it and I would, if, if I had, if I had a, fortunately I don't, but if I had a boss at Canopy that was like, nope, we're, we're instigating, are you sure badges on everything? Are you sure dialogues on everything <laughs> that you delete? Um, you can either, you can either get on board or you can quit. I would leave. I would, I would literally leave. I would be like, I'm out. I feel like um, I as, on that hill. as a UX designer, I've had that nightmare before, you know, and in the middle of the night, you you wake up in a cold sweat, you know, and your partner's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? You're screaming. You're like, oh, my, my boss just said we had to do are you sure on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that reoccurring nightmare all the time. I can't take it. I can't take it. Where's the little rest, Pam? I need it right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be a horrible, horrible nightmare. Yeah. Absolutely. What if... And it would be even worse if, like, he was wearing a Freddy Krueger mask. <laughs> That'd be even worse. Yeah, I think everything's made worse with a Freddy Krueger mask. It is. <laughs> it is. The first time I met Freddy Krueger was at a was at a uh, was at a haunted house when I was okay. a kid. I was probably like eight, nine, ten years old. 
And Freddy Krueger jumped off this like staircase and scared us. You know, he had the claws and the whole thing. Yeah. And his breath was so bad. <laughs> that's Which like the be. only thing. That's like the only thing I can equate Freddy Krueger with now is just like horrible breath. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure that was by design too. You know, like must have been a very thoughtful um, actor. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. Any any other UX uh, hill dying? Yeah, I think one 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 thing that I can also think of is when um, you know people are trying to pressure you to skip portions of your design process um, to get the work done faster. Like, if you want to just design this, we'll just ship it and we'll see how we'll just see how it works. You know, um, especially when you don't feel like this sort of thing, like this experience that's being proposed, is a good one, or that you know that it's a good one for sure. Um, the hill I do like to die on for that one is we need to research this in a, at least a little bit. You know, if, if this is really, if we're hard pressed on time, um, we have to at least do a little bit of research. Um, <laughs> if that's usability, if it's like, you know, some value base, we have to do some research to make sure that this is the right thing because as a UX designer, as a product designer, you know, that's our job. That's, it comes back to us. It's like, why did, why did we design this horrible thing? Oh, because we didn't have a lot of time. We just, we just wanted to build something and ship it and see how it went. And now we have to go rebuild it again because it's garbage, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it is your responsibility. Like you should, as designers, you should die on a hill. Like maybe not like, Hey, let's go, you know, gorillas in the mist and go spend six months you know, in the weeds with our users or something, you know what I mean? But like yeah, yeah. something like you talked about, like, like if you just even a little temperature check, right? Even like a little, hey, let's just talk to like three people real quick yeah. just to see if we're in the same, you know, same boat. Um, you got to do something because, yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, at the end of the day, um, if if users complain about a user experience problem in the app, that's your fault. You're the user experience designer. Yeah. Right. And you can make up an excuse all day like, oh, well, PM said we need this out by tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you obviously didn't want to fight for it. So, you mm -hmm. know, fight, fight for it. Fight for that. Die on the hill, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a lot of things we can think of um, for this, but um, there's it's OK to like not die on a hill for everything you know like i i don't want to be the person that's like you know like what you're considering something else for what i'm you know like like just fight everybody on everything mm -hmm. that goes against you know the ux principle or whatever um because you do have to be flexible um it's not going to go as easy as you think it's going to um so like for example when i've what i've learned and I've, as I've grown as a designer, as I've learned like UX activities, UX ceremonies and UX design processes as well, like you learn about these things, but when you like put them into practice, um, they're not always as straightforward. They're not always as cut and dry as they're explained to you. Um, a design process isn't this linear process. It's actually super messy. It's like this. I feel like I've seen this. Where have I seen this? Um, this? All the squiggles, yeah. The squiggles, right? Somebody like, I don't know where that is, but there's like a squiggle of what, what a real design process looks like and what people think it is. And it's like it's like a perfectly straight line and, and then what it really is is like a bunch of squiggles up and down, <laughs> back and forth. Um, here's how you come to your solution, right? Um, so you do have to compromise in some places. Um, and 
other people have to compromise with you in some places. That's what basically working as a team is all about, right? So I would definitely recommend finding some of the most important UX hills to die on for you that work for your process. Um, but at the same time, you can't die on a hill for every single thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as, as we know, like a business doesn't revolve, like everybody thinks whatever, whatever discipline you do, right? Mm-hmm. Like you think that without that, the company will die. Yeah. Right. Like, like without sales, the company dies without marketing the company dies without UX the company dies without QA. It dies. Right. Like, yep. <laughs> but the reality is, is like, it's a, it's a combination of all those things. Right. <clears throat> so being that it's a combination of all those things, yes. Like user experience is important to the product, but like, so is sales, so is development, so is the business needs, so is all that other stuff too, right, Andy? That's exactly right, Patrick. <laughs> we like we, you can't just be in your own box. Yeah, that's true. the The world does not revolve around us um, as UX designers. It it revolves around what like it can't resolve revolve around everything, right? Uh, I mean, I guess I don't know where I'm going with that, but it doesn't revolve around us as designers. Um, yeah. and we have to take in, in, into consideration that there are other people that are really important that can give us a lot of really great feedback and, um, our process might change a little bit to incorporate that feedback. And I think that's totally okay. But as long as it doesn't have too many tool tips, <laughs> as long as it doesn't have too many, um, or any, <laughs> are you sure experiences <laughs> then I think you're okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, you can't be too dogmatic about the entire user. Like, it, user experience, like to your point, is not is not perfect and it's really messy. And so, like, you can't be too dogmatic about all of those things, right? Like, yeah. pick pick one or two things you can be really dogmatic <laughs> about. But like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you can't you can't be dogmatic about everything in the process. Otherwise, nobody's gonna want to work with you because you're just gonna be a bottleneck and you're not gonna like be willing to work with anybody, right? Just, I mean, we've yeah. worked, it's just, it goes back to the, the thing we were talking about earlier with being a good coworker, like literally being a good coworker means sometimes you have to make some concessions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that also doesn't mean you have to give up on your values, you know, and, yeah. and what you, what you subscribe to and that kind of thing. You just don't want to be dogmatic to the point where it's like, I don't want to work with that guy. Cause he never, it takes nine months for him to design anything because he's got this whole process and, I can't use this interaction and we can't use this button and we can't use this color scheme and we can't use, you know, like that's, that's just ridiculous. You know, we've yeah. all, we've all worked with designers like that before and that's not fun either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should definitely consider where to pick your battles. And this isn't something that's easy to figure out where to pick your battles, right? Like, um, and that's something I think you'll learn as you have relationships with your coworkers, as you, um, you know, are designing with other people, you're going to figure out what works, what sort of battles are good and what battles are not good. And you're probably going to learn that by mistake, you know, and that's totally fine. (laughs) Um, but it is, it is important. And I love what you're saying. Like you should have your values and you should, um, you should definitely consider those, communicate those. And also I think it's important to communicate like why you have those values too, instead of just like digging down into your trench and saying, no, we're, we're not having tool tips because 
or, or we're just not having tooltips, you should say why we're not having tooltips. Explain mm -hmm. why that's not a great experience. Um, and I think that could definitely help others understand that better and realize, oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't have tons of paragraphs of text to explain what this experience, how this experience works and functions. Um, um, so yeah, I really like what you're saying there um, for sure. I think that's, that's great. I had a, I had a former boss that told me if, if you don't, if you don't have a solution to a problem, then you're just complaining. <laughs> and I, and, and it's so correct. Right. Like if you, if you just don't like tooltips because you don't like tooltips and every time somebody designs a tooltip, you're like, no, nope, you just fold your arms and be like, tooltips suck. And you don't ever go into why, or you never try to come up with a, with a better solution than that. Mm -hmm. Then you literally are just complaining and you're just being, you know, you're just being a jerk, right? You're just being like, you're, you're being very dogmatic about it. Right. But if yeah. like, if you can, if you can say, Hey, this is why we don't do tooltips. Or and then and then on top of that, bring a different solution. Like instead of using that tooltip, why don't you do this, right? Like or this or this. Like there's lots of other possibilities. Why don't you do that? Um, I think that's I think you know that that's when you're that's when you're still playing nice with people because otherwise you just fold your arms and you're just like nah nah. And you're just being a jerk. <laughs> I have another way that you can do this, Andy, <clears throat> and this works to a limited degree as well. If you have a real problem with something and you don't want to be a jerk and you don't want to be the guy that just, you know, bulldozes everything or stands in the way, what you can also do is sort of sneak behind people's backs. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. I'm liking this so far. <laughs> so you're working with a team and they want to put in an are you sure? And you're arguing with that team about the are you sure? And you're like, okay, fine. Go, go ahead and do the are you sure? Let them build the are you sure? And then... Go somewhere else to another developer who's on your side and be like, hey, can you can you go remove that? Are you sure? After? Can you go delete that? And then they're like, yeah, I can totally delete that. And then they delete it and then it's gone. And then those other people still think you're cool. And then the other developer, like everybody still wow. thinks you're cool. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay on the occasion. All right. This is to, interesting. To, to sneak around. And you know, kind of do the kind of do the underground thing a little bit. Yeah. So I'm trying to like figure this out. Like all of the logistics of this sounds kind of like a heist movie to me. So my <laughs> question, Patrick, is: Do developers do they regularly you know check up on the code they they just wrote? No. Like, are they looking back? Are they like, are they going, okay, I wrote this this like you know I wrote 200 lines of code last week. Is it still there, or they're no, not going to know no, it was no. stolen? It's just like when you. It's just like when you. This is the good part about like product managers and like they keep developers so distracted by sleight of hand <laughs> that they don't even remember what what they did three weeks ago. Like what what they released a couple weeks ago. The PM goes, "Oh, now look at this shiny new card," and then they're looking at that and they don't even know what's going on <laughs> on the other side. All like right. it has nothing to, it's not the developer's fault. It's the PM's fault for keeping them, you know, overly yeah. busy. But it is like, it is like a magic show. Like you, like they do a trick and you're like, whoa. And then they, they switch your brain over here and do this trick. And then you forget <laughs> about that other thing. And then that's when the designer can swoop in and be like, hey, let's, hey, while they're looking the other direction, let's, let's fix this user experience real quick. <laughs> wow. So you have to have an in with the PM on this plan. I feel like. <laughs> You have to let, let the PM know when to yeah, divert yeah. their attention, when to start showing something else that's shiny to the yeah. developer. You have to have an in with it's another developer. 
and you, that developer cannot, you know, switch things on you because, you know, a, a, a big thing about these heists, Patrick, these, these code heists is people are always switching on you. You know, mm-hmm. you, you gotta never trust. know. <laughs> you you never don't, know. you don't know who's, who's, you don't know who's working for the other side a lot of times, yeah, exactly. right? So you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta know like who to trust, like who really <laughs> believes in you and you have to be patient and you have to have the correct timing, right? Yeah. Like every good heist movie, patience trust and timing and understanding that the first rule to that is you you don't trust anyone fully that's true and you the never big, trust anyone fully. the big part about that patrick is in every heist movie there's always at least one or two twists you know nowadays you get like three or four because you got to keep up in the game so yeah. in terms of your patience what you're talking about patrick and you have to be very good at this you have to know you have to be like three switches ahead of your your opponent mm-hmm. So how many switches um, can you put in place (laughs) or plot twists can you put in place in front of that engineer to make sure you are getting the right experience for a user? Yep. And sometimes you have to, it's like chess, right? Sometimes you got to move your horse over here to get your opponent thinking that's the direction you're going to go. Yes. Knowing, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're going to sacrifice that horse and that bishop so you can sneak around the other side and get him checkmated. Like... You have to you have to plan ahead. It's called strategy, Andy. That's you it. need a little bit of strategy. If you, if somebody says, "Hey, like, oh, we're not going to do that," you you know you you're you're worried about dying on a dogmatic you know UX hill, right? And you're like, "Man, I'm gonna this is not going to go good. I'm not going to get what I want." Think strategy. Think in terms of okay, I'm going to make them think they're going to get what they want right now, mm-hmm. and then later on, I'm going to sneak around and we're going to get it taken care of. And I'm going to be patient. And it might take me six months, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to hold true to it. I'm, I'm learning be a, a lot heist. here. This is great. So, so when everyone's talking about like product strategy, they're not talking <laughs> about like, you know, long-term vision, you know, how things can scale. They're really talking about like, like conning a bunch of engineers. Is that, is that what this is, Patrick? I don't think that's what they're doing. I think that's what the designer like me is doing, but I don't think that's what they're doing. Oh, okay. I think they're actually looking at like, how do we make more money? This goes this goes back to the marketing thing we talked about earlier. That's what marketing people do is they sneak around and trick people into doing things. I'm just saying that that is a viable option sometimes if you don't want to be the dogmatic jerk that's standing in front of everybody's way. I'm just saying I'm like it's probably not your go-to move. Your go-to move is should be like, "Hey, explain why we shouldn't do this. Come up with a proper solution." But if that's still not working, there's a there's a there's a there's an extra move you can put in your back pocket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, that extra move it definitely is going to take a lot of work. You're going to have to have a team of individuals, at least six or seven, working on your side. Yeah, from and different prisons, all kinds of stuff. You got to yes. You got to bring them in. There's there all these people that you haven't talked to in 20 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a there's a whole montage scene where you're yeah. like going and recruiting your team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You show up at the Taco Bell. Get there's your... Patrick. He's chomping down on a gordita crunch. Yep. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta convince Patrick to join your your team. And <laughs> yep. Some cases you may have to hire. Like maybe there's not developers at your company that are on your side. So maybe you have to go out and try to get one of the developers hired into your company, so that they can be on your side and then sneak around. Like this could happen. Like yeah. you might have to go to extremes to get things done, but. Um, and I'm not saying manipulation is the first, the first tactic you should go to. It should be the last 
should be the last ditch effort. Like right before you're going to die on that hill, you're like, wait a minute. Let's try one more thing. And then if that doesn't work, then go ahead and die on that hill. Yeah. I like your I like your equating this to a heist movie. This is good. I like I like me a good heist movie every once in a while. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're an important important part of our our movie culture for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Something we could all incorporate into our lives. I think there's a lot of great lessons that come out of heist movies, Patrick. <laughs> well, there's always that really cool scene in a heist movie where the the one guy doesn't know like. He's working with a partner that he trusts, but his partner has a couple of guys that can take care of something, right? Mm-hmm. So then the guy the guy that's in charge has got to go meet with those other guys that he doesn't trust and try to figure out if he can trust them. That's always such a great scene because they, they never – it never goes right, but he's always just got to go with it, right? Yeah. Like in his gut, he's always like, ah, these people are going to ruin everything. But then he's like, but I got no choice. I'm in – I'm, you know, I got to do this. Who else is going to do it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's always that moment in the heist movie too when the heist happens, right? Mm-hmm. And then after the heist happens, there's the first twist. Yep. And then there's always a moment where the movie doesn't end, right? Like you're like, whoa, we twisted me around, blah, 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 blah. And then they cut to it. Instead of credits rolling, they cut to some scene where the guy's like sitting at a bar somewhere and you're like, oh, here's the second twist. Here we go. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, the classic guys movie. Always great stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much we can take away from that. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot we've we've learned from this this episode, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd say like if you're listening to this, like think about those things. Think about like for reals though, like think about your the values you have in design, right? We all have a certain set of values that we try to adhere to when we design things. Mm-hmm. Think about those things. Think about those things that you would like some of the values that you bend a little bit on, right? That you can, that you can like, you're, you're a little bit flexible on that, on that value. And then think about those ones. Yeah. There's, there's probably every single one of us at least has one that we're like, we're never doing this. I'm never going to design this system. I will say, no, I will quit my job if I have to do this. Right. And I think some people probably have a little bit more, something more serious than what we brought up. You know, we brought up a couple of UI things, yeah. but I think everybody has, everybody has a few of those things. And I think, I think to what you were talking about earlier, I think it's probably good for every designer to find out why those things are like that for them. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, and then really figure out why that is like, why do you hate those things? <laughs> why do you refuse to do those things? Um, Cause you're going to need that, you know, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna need that when you go when when, you know when uh when somebody pitches you know when a PM comes to you hey what if we just do this it'll just you know whatever and you're like no I'm not gonna do it yeah this is why I'm not gonna do it I love that so much like like knowing why you're not gonna do it and be able to explain to somebody that's outside of the design world is such an I think that's such an important skill to 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 hone down to get right that's definitely true. I also like, I'm considering like what it means to actually die on a hill as you're describing, like, <laughs> I'm going to quit. I'm never going to work at this company anymore because <laughs> I've never gone to that, that <laughs> never gone to that, um, extreme, um, when dying on hills for things, 
definitely have fought for things for sure, but <laughs> never gone that far. Yeah. I'm out, you know, I'm not, I, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> but I talk, well, I talk, speaking of that too, like I, I've talked to a guy, I know a guy who worked for a company for a few months. He got a job. It was a good company and everything. And it still is a good company. Um, but they don't, they don't do user testing. Like they don't do user research. Like that's just not part of their yeah. culture. And the, and the, the you know the leader of the design team was like we don't have that budget it's not important like we're not doing that you know mm-hmm. like he like fundamentally they didn't believe in it and and they only worked there for a few months like they i that was the thing that they quit on you know like yeah that's true eventually so i think i think in in reality i think i think there's a lot of those things that yes are important to people and you know when you you know, for you to do your job correctly, these are fundamental things that you need that you need to do that. And if you if you believe that you need research and you need to talk to your customers to do your job effectively and the company just doesn't believe in it, then, you know, I think I think that's where people really do die on their heels. Right. Like that's they, true. they go, OK, well, I'm out then. I'm going to go find another company that does that. Yeah. And so, I, I think along those lines, too, this makes me think of something else. Um, and I haven't experienced this where I've worked before. But like if you consider like some companies that are maybe practicing like some sort of like designs that are not ethical, um, mm-hmm. that are like dark patterns and that are tricking people, <laughs> basically <clears throat> marketers. They expect their designers to be marketers, Patrick, <laughs> Yeah. Um, to trick people into doing things um, that, that are not ethical. I think those are great hills to die on as well. That's a great reason to leave a company to not want to consider, um, you know, want to not want to keep contributing to that sort of um, behavior that's a great hill to die on and a great reason to leave a company as well. Yeah. I've done that, Andy, by the way. Oh, is that right? The situation you described. Yeah. We, I worked for a company. We did a lot of lead gen, you know, internet lead gen pages. And a couple of them were, you know, acai berry type, you know, health food type weird things, you know, that were totally just like tricks. Right. I designed a lot of those pages and tricked a lot of people into buying (laughs) crap that they didn't need to buy. And I still feel bad about it and I'm glad I left, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's beyond, that's a little bit deeper than just a UX deal, a UX hill or a deal you can high on. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, we have those certain values. I think we all have design values that way too. So yeah, good time to do a little reality check for everyone. A little, little <laughs> value check. <laughs> yeah. That should be the challenge. That should be the challenge of this episode, Andy. If you're listening to this right now, go write your write your value your design values down, and uh, crochet if, them onto a pillow or something. Crochet them onto a pillow. Write them. Yeah, do something really nice. And then, if the company you're working for doesn't follow those values, and quit. Go find another job. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> See if you can fix those. Sneak, sneak around if you have to, but don't, don't <laughs> see if you can fix those. <laughs> yeah, see if you can fix those the right way. And if you can't fix those, do it the wrong way. Like we've, we've descri- <laughs> just like way. how we Try described the wrong before. Way just once. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. It's a good story to tell. You could do a great case study on how to do it the wrong way. <laughs> that would be the best portfolio ever. Holy crap. I want to do that. Case, a whole case study of being like, okay, I pitched it this way, but the company said no. So then I did this whole entire elaborate scheme where I got my buddy hired. He came in yeah. took over the marketing department. Three years later, we did this, blah, 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 blah. Then eventually we got the design that we wanted. That's, that's one sort of design process, right, Patrick? Man, that company would hire you so fast. <laughs> <laughs>
That's very true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone I'm interviewing has a, a case study, a portfolio like that, they hands down, they're getting hired. You know, they're. It's a freaking heist case study. <laughs> a case study like with a twist? That'd be so sweet. Three twists at the end. You can even take one of your regular case studies and make it and, and make it a high, like, like put it in a heist theme. Like, <laughs> like we designed this thing we did this research and we got these people on board we went through the journey and we user tested it and, whoa twist we didn't even see that before and then now we gotta That's do true. this <laughs> whoa there's another twist we got backstabbed by another user <laughs> backstabbed by a user <laughs> happens all the time <laughs> okay Andy that was a good topic man I like that topic yeah me too that was good. Thank you, Alice and Grace, for posting that topic to Twitter yeah, and for one. me finding it. Yeah. Patrick, I expect you to follow me on Twitter sometime soon. If you're not already, I don't think you are. I'm not going to join. I quit You're not going to join? Remember? But you just you just said you were going to start up again and follow just me and Allison. No, no. It's going to be, it'll be, it'll be too, no. I'll go down a rabbit hole again and, and. It won't be good for my mental health. So, all right, all right. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away. Now, That's I would. Fine. I follow you on Instagram, um, and you don't post anything on Instagram. There's no. It's it's that island oasis that I have on Instagram with you. Yes, you know I do yeah. post things on Instagram, Patrick, but it's only when I go to Disneyland. Then I post. Yeah, which my hasn't been photos. a while. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yep. So in the meantime, I'm just gonna keep following all the memes on Instagram, and then when you decide to post, uh, when you get back to Disneyland, I'll be looking forward to that day. All right, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. See you, Andy. See you, Patrick. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.